The Clueless Joe podcast is recorded at DBAT Nashville and brought to you by Rawlings, the nation's leading baseball and softball training academy franchise and the world's top baseball and softball brand have teamed up to create an exciting new partnership. DBAT, powered by Rawlings, the official ball, glove, and helmet of Major League Baseball. To learn more, go to Rawlings.com or visit your local DBAT. Say hey, baseball fans. Welcome to the Clueless Joe podcast, powered by Rawlings, episode lucky number 13. Cool. Coming to you from D-Bat Nashville, the premier baseball and softball batting cage and training academy in Middle Tennessee. Developing beliefs, attitudes, and traditions, music city style. You can follow us on social media across all platforms at D-Bat Nashville. I'm your host, John Christ. I'm here with my crew in reverse order this time. (gasps) The number nine ranked right-handed pitcher in the state of Georgia. Whoa. Oh. According to Perfect Game Whoa. in 2011, Sam Bragg. You are still <laughs> wildcats. <laughs> According to Perfect Game in 2016 in the state of California, unranked, Ryan Gaynor. Oh, dude, oh, brutal. I was, I was <laughs> a big really curious where you're going with that. But and that's all right. according to Perfect Game in 2013 in the state of Mississippi, also unranked, Zach Schreitenthal. It's okay. Go Chiefs. I'm a member of the unranked fraternity, so no shame, no shame. Right. Coming up later in the show, we're going to be joined by a very special guest, former Major League catcher J.P. Arancibia. He's now the bench coach for AAA Syracuse in the Mets organization. But we're going to begin with something in sports not necessarily unique to baseball, but certainly associated with our great game, superstitions. So just an example I'll throw at you guys. Mark Deshera. Great hitter during his career. We all know Mark Teixeira. Accidentally wore two different socks in a game once. He was number 25 when he was with the Yankees. He slid on one sock that was number 25. He accidentally slid on another sock that was number 52. That belonged to teammate CeCe Sabathia. Hmm. He proceeded to go out in that game, hit two home runs, drive in six. And for the rest of that season, he wore mismatched socks. Because he's a silly baseball player with silly superstitions. Just that season? Just that season. That was his thing. Did he hit two homers and six RBIs every game? Of course not. But he did it once and claimed that was why it happened. So let's start here. Some of the silly superstitions you had, maybe some of the famous superstitions that this game has had over the years. Let's start it off hot with Moises Alou, huh? What about (laughs) him? We're going right away with his yeah, shower technique. Moises Alou. Right away. Peeing on his hands. Uh, Correct. Yeah. To... uh, Eliminate calluses. I was living in Chicago when that story broke. He was so livid that apparently that was an off-the-record conversation with the reporter that really? ended up in a notebook, and he was furious. That's on him. Yeah, I mean I that's think, on him. I think Yachty I saw. That too. No such thing as really I think I saw Jorge did that. Jorge Posada did that as well. So did Yachty. Um, yeah, that's why. Really, <laughs> that's like a thing. Dude, if I'll, I do it, it's by accident. I'll, I'll take my, I'll take my be the, I'll be at the bullpen, and I'm just like, dang it. There, there's apparently scientific evidence that says peeing on your hands oh. can help you develop calluses. If you remember Moises Alou, he was one of the few guys who hit with no batting gloves. No batting gloves, gloves right. It's part of Lunatic. his style. Lunatic. Yes. Yeah, that is weird. Yes. But that's definitely a famous or let's call it infamous one. 
Wade Boggs eating fried chicken yeah. before every game. That's, That's another way famous more one. Normal than peeing. Way mm -hmm. more normal. <laughs> Could you imagine if you peed on your hands before you ate? Did they yeah. did they wash them? Yeah. Wait. So he did it to develop calluses. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. In the, the shower. Hardens the, hardens In the you shower. You want calluses. Correct. Oh, okay. It would help develop calluses? calluses and the like. Oh, okay. I thought it was to prevent them. No, no, no. He was. <laughs> To help like, ooh, harden and develop because it's sterile and I like the taste. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd probably just use lotions. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. Okay. <laughs> like, All right, moving uh, on. Moving it doesn't on. take much research to find us some pretty crazy ones. Yeah, um, I want to hear. I want to hear some that you had, Zach. I'm actually very interested. Are you? This, yeah. I have, yeah, I mean, let's go to our own playing days here. Wasn't yeah. superstitious? A little stitious. A little stitious. Yeah. Yeah. I was little, waiting for uh, how long. I'm a, I'm a take little. Take the under. And how long it took to make that comment? I'm a little stitious. I don't know. It wasn't anything too crazy for me. I mean, I got dressed the same way for every game. What pant, what <laughs> pant leg first? Shoes first. I mean, yeah. Socks, <laughs> le left left sock had to go first before the right. I mean, Cup on the outside. So, so without you were fully no other clothes other than you're putting on your left sock. No, I mean, I was okay. my sliding shorts Slidey on. shorts off first. Then, okay, just wanted to confirm. But, but um, you never know. <laughs> but no, I would, I would probably start, like I'd start the year with, like let's say like an Evo shield on my left, a sleeve on my right. I would I'd have to go the whole series without changing it, but I would ride that as long as uh, I was hitting well, and then I would I would change it up if if it started to to go bad. To, yeah, if if things started to look bad, so um, safe to say I changed my I was my say, look so up you pretty, changed probably a lot. Yeah. Pretty love you. Yeah, pretty often during my playing days, but. I've I've been racking my brain. I'm trying to think on anything super crazy. I didn't really, I didn't really go like I was more just like superstitious with my routine. Like, um, and I actually kind of saw somebody. I think it was Wade Boggs did it as well. He took like 150 Correct. exact ground balls. He took 150 ground balls before every game. Not 149. Like, not 151. 150. I had I had to I wash. I didn't <laughs> Yeah, that, way yeah, too that, many that is, that is way too many. Shout out I wash. Yeah, I didn't count I didn't count my ground balls, but I had to do like a lot. I, I had to do a certain amount, not like a certain over amount, but a certain like, amount. Like in in batting practice, I had to take uh, a bunch right at me to my left. I had to do a backhand. I had to do um like the uncomfortable plays um like deep in the deep in on down the line or deep into the hole to my left. Um, I just had to like check that box in my head pretty much. That sounds more like routine and superstition. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's if a I, fine line. If I, if I didn't do it, I've, I felt really weird and I just, yeah. yeah. Again, I think routines kind of fall mm -hmm. into that. We superstition. had a, we had a starting pitcher at Georgetown that on, on days that he pitched, he had to sit down in the shower that, that day before the game. <laughs> Okay. And just like sit there. He's like, yeah, I sit there for like 10 minutes. Doesn't do anything other than just sit down in the shower. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He probably shoved. Yeah. He was great. <laughs> he, he, was, he was really good. I mean, yeah. Played at Buffalo and then came down to Georgetown. But he was really good. I thought it was. I mean, that's a superstition, right? Yeah. That's yeah. weird. Okay. Sam, did, you, did you have any Don Robinson type stuff? You remember uh, Don Robinson? No. He he was a pitcher. <laughs> yes, yeah, <so> imagine that. <laughs> no, he was a pitcher from back in the day where he refused to catch the ball from the umpire. Like if there was a foul oh. ball and the umpire would throw it back out to him, he would let it fall to the ground, then pick it up off the ground. 
He refused to uh, touch the ball. The, the umpire was just humming that thing. Oh, yeah. He's <laughs> just mm-hmm. goes no, matrix I, on it. I never had anything like that. I uh, I would try to use a glove up until I gave up a run, and then I would switch to another glove mid game. Uh, mid game? Yeah. No, uh, I have switched gloves. Really? In, in okay. Innings, yeah. Um, okay. I one time was growing my hair out super long, and I was like, "All right, I'm gonna cut it when I start doing bad." And then. I had like four outings in a row where it was just awful, and I just like didn't want to cut my hair because I, I looked pretty good. And then <laughs> I, I finally had like a really bad one, and I just walked in the clubhouse, and I was like, "Who here knows how to cut hair?" And our backup second baseman was like, "I don't know how to cut hair," but he was like, "I know how to take all of it off." I mean, yeah, I could shave so the I whole just, thing I, for I, you. I Mister cleaned it. Did you? Oh, oh yeah, God. I was completely bald. Yeah. What? Yeah, you got like, pictures? We'll look after. I don't. I, I have don't. a hard there's, time seeing that look there's for you. There's not one. There's not one picture. Dang. Luckily, my hair does grow back fast, and like yeah. by like August, I had like normal hair again. Yeah. But yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I ended up Mr. Cleaned it too. Shoving. Not even like a military no, cat. <laughs> yeah, I ended up shoving after that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. How about Turk Wendell? Another famous crazy superstitious guy. He was the one. He pitched for the Mets, a couple of other teams. He would be on the mound with licorice in his mouth. I think he exactly had four pieces of licorice in his mouth that he would chew and swallow and play with while he was pitching. And then between innings, would brush his teeth in the dugout. Between innings. Hmm. Then go put in more licorice and go back out to the mouth. Hmm. He, was, he was nuts. I was, I was like that, but with dip. Yeah. <laughs> I, had a, I would have another bullpen pitcher run down to the dugout with it. So I would go in and pitch with it in. And then once my inning was over, come in, take it out, put another one in. Just guys sprinting just back and forth for the bullpen? Well, no, my can would be in the dugout. Oh, okay, now. okay. But yeah, so then I put in, I never kept it in for more than the inning. So I'd like go out there and pitch, go in, take it out. Put okay. it in. I, was, I mean, I was like that. What with, if you had a really good inning? Yeah, same. Really? Yeah. You just kept it routine? Yeah. And it had, what if you had a really bad inning? Would okay. you go out? Okay. No, same thing. All right. That's kind of how it was with like the bubble gum like we talked about. I'd have a certain combination of the different flavors. Yeah. If that didn't work, out try try something else. The next next yeah. at bat or next game. Um, what about anybody? Uh, you know anybody that did the Roger Clemens icy hot on the on the face on the undercarriage? No, I know people put it on their no. face on their I know on people, their face. I, know, I I played with a couple guys in the bullpen would just lather their face in it and then go in and pitch. Really, Crazy. really, what? Crazy. Yeah. Well, you were one of those guys Everything. who went out of your way to be uncomfortable intentionally on the mound. Yeah. Was that one of the reasons why you would do something like that? I, I would imagine so. Or it just like kind of fires. I think it like more so like it fires you up. Yeah. But Roger Clemens put it on his boys. Or is it so you're just thinking he put it on his boys? Yeah. yeah. Apparently. Oh, yeah. There, there's also a time where Roger Clemens would he would throw like he I would mean, he finish finish his warmups in the last after the last pitch he'd get the ball back and then throw it out of the stadium. Not all of these balls are making it out of the stadium. Right. That's crazy. Right. I mean, he was a psycho. Yeah, he was. He, yeah, he was. He was good. Joe DiMaggio had one. Every time he left the dugout to go out to center field, he made sure he touched second base with one of his feet. And there's a million of them, of course. Is that routine? I don't know if it's like he'd feel weird. Yeah, that feels more routine. That's, but that's the thing. I feel like there's a very fine line between routine yeah. and I feel like, like superstition has to be a it. weird thing to do that right. you like. I feel like getting like dre- down I feel like getting, shower. getting dressed a certain way is probably more. Routine. I had a stupid yeah. one. The last league I played in in Chicago, um, 
Again, I was 26 or something at the time, and I had forgotten to wash my uniform before a game or something, and I get to the ballpark, and my socks never made it to the dryer. So I'm putting my socks on, and they're soaking, soaking wet. And I think I had like three hits or something like uh, that. I'm uncomfortable for you. So the rest of that season, I would wet my socks before I put them on, because I thought that helped. How bad was your athlete's foot? After. Probably not good, yeah. but Dude, the it, mold in, in the Chicago, <laughs> it actually felt great putting them on because, you know, in a game in oh. July or something, they help keep you a little cool. Oh, hey, I stole a lot of bases in that just league. Maybe around. it helps. Yeah, Maybe it helps. Right. <laughs> For your first AB, <laughs> you're running just a school. Hey, running but a these swamp. are the dumb things baseball players do. Right, it's right, it's right, not right. because I'm a good hitter. It's because I had wet socks that I got three hits. So let's try that again. That's right. It's stupid, but that's, that's right. the way we think. Yeah. Would you consider the curse of the bambino a superstition so we could just consider it that the red Sox suck for so long yeah but I don't like know as if far as the story and everything that goes like you're kind of blaming it on one on i don't know that man trade. that was those was like the 1800s i don't know <laughs> i know i'm just saying but <laughs> well i mean there's plenty of like stories the story like of that, it, like though. the curses and, yeah you know the cubs curse well you know what the red Sox have won like four over the last oh, right. 20 years. Right. So right. I, think, I think the curse is broken. Yeah, they're good. I had one that in BP, I oh, I took the minimum a minimum, minimum amount of swings, yep. ground balls, yep. whatever it was, because mm-hmm. I did not want to waste my good swings and my good reps. And you were such a natural. How much help did you really need? Right. 100%. <laughs> no, really. Even in practice, like when, when we'd go down to the cages to do T-work, I would just sit there i don't want to waste my good swings i was i feel like this is more of a routine but i threw off the mound for my career every day like after like we'd play catch i would get off the mound and throw like whether it may be like 10, 10 pitches right sometimes, but like but you just needed to I do could it throw, i could throw like four innings out of the pen the next day i'd throw a few off the mound and you know that's you know ultimately probably why i had tommy john but whatever <laughs> well i was gonna say <laughs> yeah, do you yeah. think that aided yeah, yeah your... i did okay probably did Probably, yeah, probably had something to do with it. Did you like? Was that something in your head where you're like, "All right, I got to do this, or else yeah, I'm no. gonna... even if I even if I did good or bad, it's okay. the same thing. Lenny Dykstra apparently threw out his batting gloves every time he made an out. That's tight. Every time, must be nice. Which means over the course <laughs> of the season, you're going through four or five hundred pairs of batting gloves. Yeah, that's. I mean, do the math. That's pretty ridiculous. You go zero for four, you throw away four pairs of batting gloves. That's. Well, Lenny Dykstra wasn't exactly all there either. Right. Were any of you guys like a, I'm not washing this or that? No. Nah. That's yeah, that's, that's, I don't nah. know. No. I would I was never already, be able yeah. to no. do that. Well, John, you wore wet socks. So. They were clean, though. They just weren't dry. Yeah, well, they were wet. They were wet. I still think. You know, they're probably in the washing machine for too long. <laughs> they had that mildew smell. I still <laughs> think, uh, uh, like, not stepping on the foul line. Like, that's a superstition for me. I, said, I always yeah. thought, like, if I step on this line, it's gonna something bad's gonna Pretty happen. Common. So you know what I did when I would go like say like I never obviously couldn't do it when I came in from the bullpen, but when I would go out for my second inning, I would drag my foot across the line <laughs> every time, just to fly in the face of everybody else. Home ballpark, away Straight ballpark, across. every yep. every ballpark. Yep, I could see you doing that at an away I also, ballpark. I also got into. There was a like a point in time, I think it was around like 2015, 2016, where I started like anything I was doing or anywhere I was, I started seeing the number 66 on everything. I'd look at, I'd be like looking at the temperature and say 66. You know what's crazy is I, that, yeah. I started seeing a lot. So when I started going into the game, I would start writing 66 on the back of the mound. 
Everyone that always is very superstitious. Everyone asked, yeah. me, everyone asked me why I was doing it, and I but I looked it up because everyone's like, "Ooh, six, six. Right? Like, yeah, add like, another six in a, there. Yeah. It's actually like a heavenly number. So I was like, okay. "Cool." So it's not love it. If it wasn't, I still would have done it. Right? But, yeah, I'm sure. You know, yeah, the started, angels were talking. Yeah, but like everyone's like, "What are you writing on the mound?" I'm like, "Nothing, man." There's some guys who <laughs> like to it. write things in the batter's box as well. My boy Deion Sanders, of course, would do the money sign in the left-handed batter's what? box with the knob of his bat before digging in. Other guys have done things like that. Yes, it's a little eyewashy. We get it. Hey, it's Dion. He can do what he wants. Or the, uh, or the guys that got to just dig that hole in the box on mm-hmm. their right foot. Oh, mm-hmm. because I spent so long trying to get that right. Whether it was field day before the season or even after every single game, you, mm-hmm. you're laying the dirt down, you're laying the mud, you're tamping it down, and then they just come in the next day and rip that thing. We've not mentioned no more Garcia Parra yet. Yeah. That's one that everybody knows. I feel like that's more of a habit. With the batting this. gloves. I think you, uh, yeah. I don't think that's a habit. I think that's just psychotic OCD. Yeah. Which I can exactly relate to. I was about yeah. Which yeah. I can relate yeah. to. Yes. Yeah. I think they just didn't feel right and then they finally did feel right. Jason Giambi apparently put a gold thong on whenever he was in a slump. I read that one. Naturally. I read that one. Don't we all? That's, yeah. How about yeah, your boy uh, Tim Lincecum? Tim Lincecum apparently wore the same Giants hat like oh, yeah. three or four. Oh, he, yeah, he refused yeah. to put on a new yeah. hat. That John thing, Wetland for the Yankees was like that, us. too. He'd wear one hat per season. We had a guy like that in college, too. I'm like, dude, just get a new thing hat. Things just faded and sweat just I love all the old over hat. it. I love the old hat. Yeah, that hat was his hat was gross towards the end there. He was also gross, though. So. Yeah, he was. <laughs> do whatever you got to do. Hall of Famer? No, I'm just yeah, kidding. Should be. What else do we got? Did you guys have to eat a certain thing before a game? Like Not food, normally. Yeah, <laughs> I'd have a. I had. That's why I said a certain thing. I uh, yeah, I know. Sorry. Um, <laughs> That's again a, the Wade Boggs thing. Had Fried a chicken before cold every brew game. coffee before every game. But shocker, I've, I've had that every day for the last. Like, <laughs> I don't think that was a baseball yeah, superstition. It was no, it was just a no. life thing. My my caffeine addiction started. I think I had a Red Bull before a game my senior year. I did really well. It really livened me up. And then it just went downhill from there. I used to do monsters there. before games. And I chose the healthier choice for cold brew. Golly. Just a minotaur before every game. Oh, <laughs> man. What about stepping into the batter's box? Everyone has a routine. You know, that, again, routine, superstition. What did you guys like to do? Certain amount of practice swings, all that kind of stuff. I'd give like three digs to the back of the batter's box. You're the worst. And then, like, <laughs> and then swipe it up to the front mm-hmm. with my back foot. Right. Step out little practice swing a little say hey what's up to the cat and the umpire yeah. then uh then dig in tap on the home plate and then we're good to go you didn't have any like while he's getting aside you didn't have any like or did you just like stand there no Sorry, i would i, I would probably talk i would mike sorry guys i would step out and then maybe give a little like muscle memory like hand path yeah uh little check swing and um and then actually yeah i think I don't know if I started at my freshman year of college or my sophomore year, but then I did start doing that uh, that little spot on the bat deal that a lot of people. Oh, to calm you down. I forgot. I forgot what that guy's name is, but I've watched that video yeah, so many times. The it. guy I did with Evan Longoria. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think Evan, wasn't Evan Longoria's the foul pole though, the left field foul pole, or is that somebody else I'm thinking of? I don't know, but I know I, exactly. I'm not sure, but, I know you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, but yeah, basically you find a spot on the bat. And you just kind of stare at it for a second, kind of clears your mind and everything. I I, I actually really like that. Yeah, that Ryan, was, were you a shin guard tapper with your fellow catchers? No, you never did no, that. No, no respect for the fellow battery mate. I don't know if it was a respect. I just was 
maybe I'd say what's up, but it mm. wasn't like, Ooh. hey, man. You know, you know what we used to do? That before, was my Gatorade bottle. Sorry, before guys. Every reliever, Gravity still works in the studio. <laughs> before every reliever went into the game, you had to rip a dry scoop of P4. Dude, you guys then, were psychos. And then we would put, we would crack uh, three smelling salts, put them in a water bottle, shake them up, and you had to, and you had to take a big whiff of them. What do we oh got, God. dude? That's why we were amazing. <laughs> that's why. That's Literally crazy. Won, won our double A league four years in a row. <laughs> I'm just amazed that Whatever the A's works. paid for smelling salts. <laughs> you think that was Amazon, yeah. homie? Uh, yeah, <laughs> just pay for that. Right. That was a bulk order for sure. We even had, we had a briefcase and we cut out like a uh, styrofoam and like put it in there and like put the P4 in there with the scooper, like a little thing for the scooper and then a thing for the smelling salts and you had to like unlock it. We call it the launch case. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God. When, you, when you're almost done warming up, so it'd be like, Brag, you ready to launch? Like, yep. <laughs> Dude, that's funny, man. Now, did you have, this is for Sam, did you have the same pitch routine before? Yep. Or did you switch it up? I had the same. Uh, like, let's say you had eight pitches. I only threw five. Really? I went fastball, fastball. Saving bullets. Curveball, change up, fastball. Don't want to don't want to waste the good reps. And I never probably threw. A, I never tried to throw a pitch over seventy miles an hour. Really? Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I tried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, I tried to throw every fastball at that speed. And I see. Every change up, like you were shooting for a number between sixty-eight and seventy. Yeah, correct. Yeah, for yeah, no particular okay. reason. No, no, no yeah. I just wanted to do that. Nice. It's a fun number. Nice. It is. It is. Um, and those they were everything was less than that. Or you're I saying tried to, I tried to hit it? Oh, you tried to hit it. Got it. Okay. And when I did, I'd be like. I'd literally be like, <laughs> fist bump on the mound. Did everybody know this it? Is, oh, yeah. So, so everybody's like all fired up. This is so on brand. This is just so on brand. We're having fun. That's pretty good. We're having That's fun. Good. Like some guys like to go out there and try and touch a hundred. I was a little different. Yeah. I did when I, when I caught between innings. I started first one in the squat, next two on uh, my left knee, the next two on my right knee, and then I'd finish in the squat, and then the last one was the throwdown. So okay. I did have that little little routine when I was when I was catching the. Pitches. I was pretty um, I was pretty bad about music too. I had to listen to the same songs in a certain order. Yeah, that's for every game. Um, that I was doing well in, and then if I had a bad game, switch it up. How many overs before you switch the walk up song? Again, I'd usually give it a series, a series, or like a weekend series, or a week long stretch, depending on how I wasn't bad it was. To switch up my walk up song. Oh, I didn't. No, I didn't switch up my, my walk up song. We couldn't do that either. But I'm talking about the pregame. Oh, the pregame. Yeah, music. pregame gotcha. music. Okay. Yeah, I was the same way, but I had to watch a WWE wrestling match. Nice. Was like, what was your fave? What was my fave? Ooh, 1998 WrestleMania 14, Shawn Michaels versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Nice. I, watched that one. I watched that one a lot. This is awesome. This I is love. Good. I really do love I this conversation. That, I yeah, this is good. I watched that a lot. <laughs> Why is this such a baseball thing, though? I know it really is, is. I know this is existential, but you don't have conversations like this for basketball players or football players. There's some what, hockey it, I'm players. I'm sure there's, there's, there's some hockey there's players. Some, yeah. but I do Brutal think that baseball is. What like is it a about the nature breed? of baseball that lends itself to this kind of stuff? Do we have any idea? We're is, all just weird. The, the fact I mean, that it, we are. The fact that it's a game of failure as opposed to, you know, shooting free throws or completing passes. Because you passes. need every single edge you can get. Yeah. 
you know, whether every, that be every type of perceived, <laughs> perceived yeah, or otherwise. Right, exactly. Right. Whether okay. that's in your head or because not. Because it's because it's the most games. It's the least amount of off days. It's <laughs> and you have more. I feel like you have more time to think about every single thing that's going on. Yeah. Either really? during the game and and and. Uh, outside of the game you really have time to get in your own head yeah 100 you know, but do we that, really need to contemplate cutting the head off a live chicken which has been commentary in two different baseball movies we're well, idiots I mean, we're already eating chicken <laughs> yeah that was a big deal i mean we're we're idiots it's like yeah. what is this gonna do i mean we could get into i mean there's <clears throat> players that have to go out to a bar and find a woman of a certain look to Break, you know, and they call it a slump buster. The I mean, slump buster. you're right. It's yeah. like we're going there. Well, we're going that, there. But that's what it exists. Yeah. We're just it exists. We're, yeah, like we're yeah. just weirdos and idiots and anything for some anything, zeros. anything, <laughs> yeah, anything, anything for, for it. <laughs> Hi, Paige. <laughs> no, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I'm saying teammates, of course, teammates. Yeah, but that's kind of what I got. I don't know why baseball is so specific to these things other than that's what I chalk it up to. I mean, yeah, I was, we're different. I mean, built unique. You can get unique. You can get real desperate for a hit real. Oh yeah. Real quick too. Yeah. It's you can try just about anything. Yeah. hundred percent. Whatever yeah, that well, may yeah, be. It's also, I feel like your sample size of playing is smaller too. Like, you know, you can miss a layup four times in a row and then make five more layups. Yeah. Four minutes later. Right. Exactly. Right. I think one of the, funniest ones and you see it more in younger and when parents come in here specifically and they talk about the bat uh this bat isn't doing it sure or you know he needs a different bat because he went over over three or he went. or kids will share a bat because this bat has right. all the hits yeah in it. I, I think mm-hmm. it's i was i, think I was hysterical. big on that yeah. as a kid that was that was definitely a little league thing for us yeah back when we had team bats and players didn't have their own well, back during the BSR you gotta, you days. You have a swing that hits the ball with the bat. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's sort of important. Not <laughs> Sometimes you got to chalk it up to I, not the I've bat. I've definitely but. been there, though. Yeah. So you're a big bat guy. absolutely raking. I'm like, I need to use that. Let me try that. Yeah, but have you ever, because I've been, I've been on both sides of this. Have yeah. you ever been the guy, though, that like the guy's raking, you're like, I want to use that bat, and you're struggling. That guyy's like, nope. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Oh, you're yeah. not, you're not taking my hands. You're not yeah. touching this yeah. bat. Yeah. This hit, hey, Stay away from my juju. Bats have an I, expiration date. I will say this, and I don't, I guess you can say this is superstitious, but there was a lot of times where I like did some like BS and like, I would like grab a hitter's bat. I was like, let me bless you real quick. And I would like, you know, rub the bat. I kiss the yeah, bat. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, like, yeah. Guys would literally go up there and like hit a home run or hit a double. So then people literally like that were starting to come and be like, Sam, will you please bless us for me? Mm-hmm. So you yeah. were, you were doing witchcraft. Yeah. Okay, yeah or cool. just like rubbing the bats together. Just, <laughs> oh, six, yeah. six behind the mound. He's doing oh, yeah. witchcraft. No, I'm just kidding. I love the people that come in the dugouts and they just start banging the bats on everything. They're like we got to wake them up. Dude, my <laughs> favorite, oh, yeah, my favorite, we had a coach that would literally pick them up and throw them. Oh, Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we're like, all right, let's go. All right, they're awake now. Put them all in the bucket. We had to have all the bats standing up straight. You couldn't cross the streams. That was bad luck, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah, you got a specific helmet hole and mm-hmm. specific. I mean, this is more college ball. I mm-hmm. know in the pros, you really do actually have a specific. No, bat. I mean, in the minor leagues, you just put it in the hole. Really? Yeah, it's, it's Sam. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's. It's fun. it's fun. I it mean, is this fun. It, yeah. it is yeah. fun to just talk about all the weird things. It's weird, that, but it is fun. That, I'm sure there's so many closet superstitions too that oh, yeah. people just ha- will not admit. I mean, I'm sure there's some weird, weird superstitions. Mm-hmm. 
I'm trying. I don't think was I it Doc any. Ellis that had to be on some sort of drug when he went out to pitch, or was it just the acid game? I think it was just the acid game. Was it just? Yeah, okay. I don't think that was. I probably, he did but I mean, after that, I'd have probably done it every game. Oh, well, oh, and yeah. I'm surprised that he didn't, to be honest. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. Maybe yeah, true. Maybe he realized yeah, it was true. Acid. Maybe he did. It's just the next time out, he gave up four earnings and no one noticed. Was was Daryl Strawberries pulling girls from the crowd, and was that a superstition or is that just him being a? I think that's <laughs> just the luxury of being a star athlete in New York. I don't yeah. think there's anything superstitious <laughs> yeah, about that at all. That's just being super cool. <laughs> yeah, that's just being super okay. good, and super rich. Hey, I'm just throwing them out there. That's yeah, all that's I'm doing. A good one. I'm trying to think if I like knew anyone that had any like crazy ones, but I can't like. I'm telling you, there's some closet ones I, that. Oh yeah. I, I thought the I know, sitting down I know in the shower one that for, is not appropriate. So. That's a shame. Well, I'm sure yeah. there's probably a lot. That's what I'm saying yeah. more is the closet superstitions. Well, how about of, we zip that up and talk about it between segments when the recorder's not on? It sounds like a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Let's yeah. do that. All right, time to <laughs> go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk with former Major League catcher J.P. Aaron Sebia. The Clueless Joe podcast is brought to you by Tanner Tees, the best batting tees for your baseball or softball player. Made with premium, durable materials and assembled in Sarasota, Florida. Invented by Joe Tanner in 1988 and perfected over 30 years, every Tanner tee represents the very best in the business. Here at DBAT Nashville, we feature the heavy model in all of our cages and also sell them in our pro shop. It's a tough, professional quality weighted batting tee with a flexible, hand-rolled rubber cone that's perfect for baseball, fast pitch, and slow pitch. This heavy-duty batting tee is designed with a 10-pound, claw-style base for extra stability on any hitting surface sturdy enough to stay upright through the occasional mishit. To learn more, go to TannerTees.com or visit your local DBAT. Okay, please welcome J.P. Aaron Sebia. Born in Miami and attended Westminster Christian, which was uh, home to a couple of Florida State guys like myself, Mickey Lopez and Doug Minkiewicz, as well as a guy named Alex Rodriguez, of course. Uh, drafted in the 17th round out of high school by the Mariners, but instead decided to go to Tennessee. Three seasons with the Volunteers, he hit 333 with 33 homers, 165 RBIs, also played in the College World Series as a freshman, hit a bomb in Omaha, I believe, and drafted again, this time by Toronto in the first round, eventually played 466 games with the Blue Jays, Rangers, and Rays, hitting 80 homers, knocking in 245 as a major leaguer. This season, he'll be the bench coach for AAA Syracuse and the Mets organization. JP, it's really great to have you here. Thanks for having me. That's uh, sometimes I, I don't. It makes me uncomfortable to hear all that stuff. But <laughs> all true, no embellishment. No, that is, uh, and I did hit a home run in, in Omaha. That was the only thing I wanted to do. Unfortunately, that we went two in barbecue, but <laughs> I, le- I went deep in Rosenblatt, so that was a big deal for me. Very nice. Heck yeah. Now, baseball is obviously what shaped your life, but uh, with some of the research I did, you were apparently a pretty accomplished football and basketball player as well as a prepster. Um, just sort of give us a scouting report on you, both on the gridiron and on the hardwood. Ooh, I can go easy basketball. I was a two po- two points and like twelve boards kind of guy. I was a, I boxed out everybody. Um, my coach would put me against the tallest guy on the team. I, mean, I was a six foot one power forward, but I would just dominate dudes down low because I wanted to. That was it. I just enjoyed knee roll. Yeah, I I loved playing defense. I really did. Um, and I enjoyed getting guys mad. We played against this guy that was a Louisiana Lafayette committee. He was like six seven. He threw the ball at me because I kept on boxing him out. So I enjoyed that stuff. Instigator. Um, I like it. And uh, on the offensive side, I knew what I had to do. 
pass the ball around. So that was just me as a, in a nutshell. Um, and then football, actually, I was pretty decent. I was all county in Miami, and Miami has pretty good football. Pretty um, good. And I was a, a linebacker, and I just loved to hit guys. You know, I, I it's funny. My sophomore year, I was a quarterback at a at a other school at another school, and uh, we were terrible. And so I was like handing the ball off and getting hit, and I was like. Yeah, when I went to my new school, I went out for football, and they're like, what position do you want to play? I was like, I want to do the hitting. I am done getting, Tired of getting hit. hit. <laughs> and so that was it. I, I played linebacker. I played with uh, my hair on fire. I just wanted to get after guys, and, and I loved you know scouting video and watching plays and watching things develop. And I'm like, okay, well, this guy's going to do this. I was a cerebral uh, linebacker, and but I – used to make sure I tackled guys and I and I wanted to tackle them and I wanted to hit them hard so I was I was to the much uh of the comments of people telling me you're crazy for playing football and scouts telling me what are you doing and I just was like I always told my mom like I don't want to regret not doing something that I wanted to do mm-hmm. um and they're like I wasn't scared of getting hurt I just played a hundred percent. And I felt like if I did that, you know, whatever happened, happened. Uh, and so that's, I didn't, I didn't play with any kind of, um, thought in the back of my mind, like, Oh, if this guy hits me and I, you know, I feel like that's how you get injured. I mean, sometimes it happens by chance, but I just, I was no thought process. You got the ball. I'm coming after you. That was it. (laughs) All right. I want to stay on this topic just a little bit, just because when it comes to developing young athletes these days, there seems to be two trains of thought, and there's one that was yours, which was play as many sports as possible, cross-train your body as much as possible, and what you're best at is eventually going to materialize. But these days, there seems to be leaning towards specialization, and not only specialization, but specializing at earlier and earlier ages. I mean, we have kids here in this facility that are 11, 10, 9 years old, and they'll tell you, I'm a baseball player, and that's it. And they can point to... Now, maybe the Dominican Republic. I mean, what do they do all day, every day, except play baseball? And look at all the shortstops they produce with that small third world country. So I'm just curious where you fall on that spectrum. Play them all or find one and stick with it. No, I'm, I'm a very passionate about this. I, I think that you need to play as much as possible. Uh, I think that not only is it is, is a cross-training your body, your mind, I think uh, – Football made me tougher in a lot of different ways. I, I think basketball made me more athletic. And, and you know, you, you that's the one thing I think is is people forget that you're an athlete first, um, whether it be in the weight room or outside on the playing field. You have to be an athlete first. All these guys are first-class athletes. And I, I just think that it's it's a detriment to the kid one because now, again, if he just wants to do baseball and that's all he wants to do, then, then hey – or he or she, you know, if that's the sport that they want to pick and that's what they're obsessed with, have at it. But for me, I was obsessed with baseball, but I also was a sports rat. I wanted to play football. I, I tried swimming. I was playing volleyball. Like I did everything that I could possibly do because I love to compete. And I think that all those different things, then yes, the the body also, you know, moving around agility-wise, playing basketball. You know, the stuff I was – the strength for football, you know, the hand strength for football, different things that helped me 
Um, and so I think it, I, I hate to hear when coaches say, hey, you have to do one thing. Or parents are like, oh, we got to do one thing. Yeah, in the Dominican Republic, they play baseball all the time, but they also play soccer in the street. Correct. They also play basketball. They also box. They also do a ton of different things. Uh, swim, you know, whatever it may be. I mean, look at Cuba. Cuba, where my parents are from, baseball, basketball, or baseball, volleyball, and boxing. I mean, and that is like they're doing everything. So that's all you see. But the truth is, is they're just outside playing different things all day long. And uh, and I think it, it makes a big difference. So I'm a very big, I mean, we could be all talk on this all day because it, it pains me because I think it's become more, and this is, it's become more of a business in the sense of, it's like, hey, I, I specialize in this and this is all you're going to do and I can make money if I have an a, you know academy or this or that, that it's just this and they want everybody to do this, this, uh, you know, whatever it is every day, all every month you pay a fee and uh, you can't let them go and do other things. So we're going to talk about your playing career a little bit. <clears throat> Pardon me. I need to phrase this delicately. Bear with me. But you basically never struggled at the plate from what I can tell and until you kind of got to the majors. I mean, high school, you're Dade County player of the year. And we're talking about Dade County here. Unbelievable athletes, some of the hottest in the country in, in many sports and, of course, baseball. You go to college and not only you're an All-American at a big time program, you're a freshman All-American. I mean, you, you show up right away and you're middle of the order and you're putting up numbers. And then even in the minors, I mean, your first three, first three full years in the minors, 27, 21, and 32 home runs. I mean, you were on your way. And then, I mean, you had a great big league career. Don't get us wrong here. You hit a bunch of bombs, but your, your batting average is 212. And if, I feel like that's the only time you sort of hit a wall and all of a sudden you're not the guy. And I'm just curious what that was like, how difficult it was. Was the pitching that much better in the show? Did you have to work so much on your defense at what's traditionally a defense first position that you just couldn't get in the cage as much as you wish? Um, just tell us how that journey went. Well, one thing that I'll say this, they say it's hard to get there, it's harder to stay. And, and the reason we why heard that a lot. is because of... One, you're facing, I mean, dudes every single night, right? A-plus stuff, A-plus command. In the big league level, literally you can scratch your face and that if that means that you're going to do something, they'll figure it out. Like there is so much video, there's so much information that if you have a little hole, they will expose it until you ever, you know, you can figure it out. And if you can't, you know, you're out of the game. Mm -hmm. um, I think my my – process well, now looking back I would say that I wish that I was more of myself and I say that because in my first pro pro ball season I was high double a I hit 298 I think it was 27 homers and 105 RBIs and that was with I think I had 36 doubles too big that, big year I looked it up that was of only a five-month season right so that's the other thing is like big leagues is six months Minor leagues is five months. Yeah, you're doing that in 120, 130 games. And so when I got done, though, I went to Instructs, and the first thing they told me was, hey, man, that's not going to work in the big leagues. And I'm like, wait a second. What? <laughs> like, I just put up ridiculous numbers. 
They're like, well, your on-base percentage is not good. You walked 18 times, and this is, you know, this is not going to work. And and you have to learn. You go to the fall league. You got to learn how to walk. You got to get on base. You got to be, you know, strike zone awareness, all this stuff. So I went to the fall league, and I got my junk pushed in for a couple weeks there before I said, forget this. I'm doing what I do mm-hmm. because I. I was not myself, and I think that was something that I fought. I think that there's a thing being – not I think, I know. I 100% agree or believe that being too coachable is, is also a problem. Too coachable. I've never heard it put that way. Please expand. Too coachable. Not uh, you're, you're, you're trying to appease everybody, and you know we have four of us in here. You guys, all three may have different philosophies, and I'm listening to all three of you guys, and then at some point you just forget who you are. Yeah. And you forget what makes you different. And I think that that's the other thing, too, is, you know, Kevin Euclid had a weird stance, and that's what worked for him. Mm-hmm. But now they might see that stance and go, hey, wait a second, here's our here's our hit tracks, here's our, our bat path thing, all the different – our blast or whatever it's called. And it's like they would have said, like, hey, man, that's not a good swing. But this guy was, was an all-star. He raked, right? Yeah. So I think that there's a, a beautiful thing about – what makes each of us special, how we, how we see things, how we process things, how we do things. Um, and that was a thing for me that, again, I was too coachable where I'd listen to all these different people. And now when I talk to people, I, I, I refer it to as if you were fighting somebody and your best punch was your straight right, but they're like, hey, this guy's really susceptible to a, a, a body blow you know hey if you can if you give him a hook to the body and you get knocked out and you didn't throw your your number one punch right like what good did you do yeah that and, might be his weakness but not necessarily your strength and i think yeah. that was it I, I mean i i mean there was a lot more i think i and not that i say i think i wish all that put aside i wish that i would have put as much time as i did in the weight room as i did on the baseball field that I would have put as much time as I did there into the mental side of the game. Because that's the one thing I think what separates you when you get to the big leagues. When you ask me why I hit 212 or why I wasn't able, yeah, I was I was a mess. I was a, I was a mental midget, however they, you know, I guess that's not the nice thing to say there. I don't know whatever they call <laughs> yeah. it these days. I've called uh, myself yeah. that plenty of times. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. you know what I'm saying? Like it's a, but really, when I got to the big leagues, I really didn't fail much until my third full season. Right. And then I'm, fans are booing me. I'm having panic attacks. I'm like anxiety ridden. Like I, it was, it was tough. And I, you internalize it as guys, and and then you realize like crap. All this stuff they told me about make sure you you know you learn about mental performance. And I was like, ah, yeah, whatever, man. I'm I, I just rake. Mm-hmm. I'll be good. And then when when you're there and you don't have the tools to help you then it kind of falls apart. It's a little too late. So I always make sure, hey, I always tell kids, the guys that I'm with, whatever it may be, as much time as you put, put into your mental health. Because the other thing is, is you can leave a field, you can leave a stadium, but the thing in between our ears are constantly there. And so that's why I think it's very, very um, important to to do that. Absolutely. Now, from your experience... Is that being too coachable pretty common in minor leagues, major leagues, all that jazz? I mean, there's so many coaches, so many players. I could see that being 
an issue. Well, 100%. And it's because, you know, at the end of the day, most of us want to please the others, right? And we're used to, you know, you go to a strength coach, hey, do it this way, you make the adjustment. I mean, that's how just it's how we're kind of ingrained, right? And so when you sit there, you don't want to have the label that you're not coachable because then I'm a first-round pick. I go to short season A ball, and – they get there and they're like, hey, you have to make these adjustments. And I'm like, hey, no, I'm good, thanks. Right, right, right. Then it's like, oh, this kid, you can't work with this guy because he thinks he knows everything right. and he's uncoachable. And But I, again, I use this lightly. Some of the best players I played with were some of the biggest a-holes. And I say that not as bad people, but as stubborn in like, hey, this is what works for me. I'm going to do it this, my way. Yeah, this is this is what works for me. Now, you may have something that can help my toolbox, and you might have somebody that can help something that can help my toolbox. But this is my toolbox, and I need to know myself. I have to be better aware of myself. I, I mean, literally, when I got sent down for the first time, I was in the big leagues 10, 11, 12, and 13. 14, I got sent back down in May to the league that I was the MVP of 2010. And the manager's like, hey, dude, like, what is your deal? And what's crazy is my short season A-ball hitting coach, when I first signed, was the hitting coach of that AAA team. And he sat me down. He's like, what the flip is wrong with you? I'm like, <laughs> why are you here? Right. And, and, and I was like, you want to know? Because I stand in that batter's box, and I feel like I'm hitting lefty. And I'm a right-handed hitter. Because I'm, I, I've tried all these different things. I've worked on all, you know, all these different things. And I'm like, I don't even know what I do to feel comfortable anymore. And, I, and that's, you know, that's really the struggle. And that's something that where that too coachable comes. Is it like that yeah. fear of doing something wrong in the box? Did that play a big part in your mental, mental side? What do you mean fear of doing something wrong? Like if I if I strike out right now looking because maybe the pitcher just made a good pitch, you're gonna go back to the dugout and you're gonna get Or like if striking out in general knowing you're trying to look for walks and Yeah, cut I, down I, strike I out honestly I just got scared to fail. I mean I just yeah. got I just got extremely scared to fail and you know, you when you're going good, like the guy throws strike one and you're like, Okay, yeah. who cares? And yeah. then all of a sudden strike two and you're like, All right, oh two, it's not a big deal. Right. When you're struggling, here we go again. You're right like, up. strike one. You take the fastball. You step on. You go, son of a gun. That yeah. was my pitch to hit. Mm-hmm. I'm in trouble. Da 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 da. Oh, and, yeah. and you just you just spin yourself into this wheel. Or and it feels like you're oh one like thirty at bats right. in a row. Or yeah. be uh, honestly, where I was at a point in my career when I was dealing with like bad anxiety, I'd be on deck, and there'd be bases loaded, and there'd be a guy hitting, and I'd be like. Please, God, let him get it done. Yeah. Because I do not want to come up with this situation with less than two outs and be able to, you know, fail and then the booze and this and that. Right, right. Yeah. You know, I went from the guy like, man, base is loaded. Not that I wanted the guy not to get the job done, but I was like, dude, I want to hit right now mm-hmm. to like, uh, God, this is not good. And, you know, that's that's when it really doesn't become fun anymore. Right. And, you know, I dreaded being sent down for so long. Right, because I was like, ego, all this stuff. And when I got to AAA, I, I, I mean, I literally would panic. My hitting coach would come and talk to me, and he'd be walking towards me in the big leagues, and I'd be like, I'd have anxiety, like, oh, here it is. I'm yeah. getting sit down. 
And I was so scared, like, okay, 0 for 4. And then I get a hit my first at bat, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to survive. Like, that when I got sent down there, I was like, man, this is not the worst thing. And I actually was down there for a month and a half. I ended up hitting like 14 home runs because I Jeez. started having fun again. Right. And that fear in the box with my manager, his name was Steve Bouchel. And one of those conversations, he's like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, honestly, here's the truth. I walk from the from the on-deck circle to the plate, and I'm like, do I swing at the first pitch? Do I take the first pitch? Is Ron Washington going to be mad if I swing and look bad at the first pitch? Oh, my God, I swung and looked bad at the first pitch. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, he's like, and honestly, I don't care if you swing down, if you swing and you fall down in the box. He's like, I just want you to have your best swing up there. Like, dude, just let it go. Like, let it fly. And all of a sudden, I had 14 home runs. I was back in the big leagues, and I led the Rangers that year for home runs and RBIs in the second half. And I was with Alexis Rios, Adrian Beltre. I mean, all these guys. Yeah. But it was just the freedom of under that knowing that the guy that was in the in the manager position was like, dude, just let it fly. Like, what? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. And people wonder why all those baseball players were head cases, right? Yeah. So I'm glad you actually brought up the demotion thing. It was sort of along the lines of what I wanted to ask. Next, your your first trip through AAA. I want to talk about AAA in particular because that's where you're going to be very soon. Your first trip through AAA, you're 23 years old, and you're a first-round pick, and you're on your way to the show. I mean, you're where you want to be. And the last time you're in AAA, you're, you're 30 years old. And you've been there, and you've seen it all, and you, you've tasted the sweet meat in the show. And you've made a couple of bucks that's in your pocket. I'm just navigating that clubhouse the first time versus the second time. It's got to be starkly, starkly different. Yeah, it's AAA is a really tough level because I always tell people you have young prospects coming up, right? Like that's what I was. You have guys who are on the the train, right, going back and forth, back and forth. They're just the extra guy. Mm -hmm. And then there's guys that are trying to hold on and trying to get back to the big leagues, trying to reinvent themselves, trying to – and I actually hated AAA when I got to it. Um, when I got there, I was like, we, I remember there was this, these guys that, you know, they'd go for four and we'd win the game and they'd be just, you know, throwing helmets and I'm a 300 hitter. I'm hitting 260. I'm like, I want to throw baseballs at all you guys. It was just the most, I was like, it was just, oh my God, you see this guy. I can't believe this guy's in the big leagues. Oh mm-hmm. my God. You know, even with me that, you know, Hey, uh, bonus baby, you're up here quick. You know, and I was like, Dude, I hit 300 with 27 pumps and 105 ribbies. Like, take it easy. I, I earned it. Yeah, like, I I'm not here because I, yeah. it was a first-round pick. And I really just didn't have fun. And it was one of those things where, you know, that year actually was was crazy. I was ba- I had an astigmatism in, 29, in 2009. So this is a little bit more of a story. But in 2009, I get to spring training. The Blue Jays tell me, hey, you have this huge year. Go to AAA. We think you're ready. At the All-Star break, we're going to bring you up to make you the starting catcher for 2010. Perfect. They also tell, doctor tells me, hey, you need to wear glasses or contacts if you have astigmatism. Mm-hmm. Great. So first, I put on these glasses and contacts, and I'm like, absolutely not. This ball looks <laughs> like it's just a 1,000 miles an hour. I was like, this ain't going to work. So those were out the door which made it tough to see at night. 
Then I was playing every single day, worrying about getting seven hits because I needed to make it to the big leagues. And I wasn't focused on where I was. Um, and then along with, like I said, the, the story before, I hated it and all that stuff. So that, that season ends. In the offseason, I could be one of the only guys in history that the, one of our VPs talks to me and he's like, hey, you know, we're going to send you back to AAA, yada, yada, yada. And I said, dude, don't. Send me a double A. I don't want to go to AAA. Really? I said, I said, I don't want to go to AAA. I hated it. Well, nope, you're going to have to learn. You know, you have to figure it out, yada, yada. And I was like, please send me. I'll die if I have to go back to Vegas. Like, I was like, I'll die. <laughs> and he's like, I don't, you're going to have to figure it out. So that offseason, I got LASIK, which helped. Um, I went with a new mind frame of I'm just going to be the best player on the field every single day because that's where I'm at, right? I, I I was now what they say, like where your feet are, you know. You, and at the All Star break that year, I was hitting 325 and I had 25 home runs. I was leading all of baseball, minor league, major league at that time. And that was really the difference. And people would be like, why are you still here? What are you doing? Da, da, da. And I was like, because I'm going to be the best player in this, uh, in this league. I'm going to hit 40 homers if I have to. I don't care. I don't care. This is where I'm at. So then the end of my career, I'm back there, and I hated the bitter players, so I never was going to be that guy. Um, but I also saw a lack of, like, the young guys understanding the way the game was played. So I really was like a – there was I was two sides of it, right? I was still trying to figure out where I was at and how I can get back. And then I was trying to teach the guys and kind of pay it forward. And I ended up coming up with a game my last year there that I we would have a winner and a loser. Um, and I would, I created a point system to make it fun for guys to learn there was a game within the game because it was like too much of the, I went three for three, but we got our tail kicked. I'm happy. You know, I went over four. We won. I'm, I'm pissed. Especially yeah. in the minors. Of course. Yeah. And so I, I started, you know, we had like, you know, baseball stuff, move guys over, you know, get hit by pitch, steal a bag, like. Anything baseball-wise, yeah, like, yeah, we had, we had, I had a whole point system, and then negatives, right? Bad base running, bad throwing decisions in the outfield, Mr. Cutoff, right? man. Yeah, little things mm -hmm. like that, and it became fun because guys at the end of the week would start coming up to me and go, hey, how many, how many points am I off the lead? <laughs> and, like, we were winning games. We had gotten the first places with Durham Bulls, and it was like, that was fun to me to watch these guys kind of switch and make it it really became i mean i after the game i'd read it like you know joe smith three points triple minus two brutal base running like <laughs> and we made it fun and uh you know that's that's when really i always thought that i can manage when i did something like that um but uh yeah that was i mean that's how triple a is and and that was how it was for me towards the end and i i knew um, when I was 2016, it was my last year, I remember having like a really good game in Durham and I had hit like two home runs or something. They, they interviewed me after that and I was like, listen, I, I'm just happy. I think I'm going to be done after the season. They're like, what? I was like, and then the coach was like, you're crazy. I'm like, what are you talking about? I was like, I'm just done, man. Mm -hmm. I'm mentally done. And, uh, sure enough, next off season, I was done. Interesting. Let's get a little more irreverent with the questions. Um, 
I want to go quickly through some of these. All right. Give us the name of a big-time pitcher that, for whatever reason, you mashed off this guy. You saw him. You hit him. You owned him. Can't explain it why, but a guy we know that you just had his number. I mean, I, I had really good numbers against Hiroki Kuroda for some reason. Okay. Mm. And he was good nasty. Name. Good pull. Um, that's one guy. Uh, I'm two for two off of Tim Collins, the little lefty reliever with the Royals with mm-hmm. two homers, so that's good. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think. John Lester, I did all right. Uh, I don't even know the guys that I really crushed. I know the guys that dominated me. Chances are they were lefties. I know that. I'm sure that's going to be the flip side of the coin. Yeah. They're coming right after this. Don't worry. <laughs> were they lefties? Well, I know that historically you had some pretty good numbers against lefties, and you had some uh, you know, some platoon situations here and there, and they definitely liked you in the lineup against some lefties. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> honestly, it tells you where I'm at. I, I, I know that I hit the knuckleball pretty well because I hit three homers off of – I had two off of Wakefield and one off of, really? of Dickey. Really? Wow. Interesting. That's cool. Yeah. Because so, you hardly ever see those. Uh, well, I didn't see them the first like seven at-bats, and I'd watch yeah. on film, and I'd miss by three feet. And I was <laughs> like, I need to figure this bad boy out. They're like, So that was that was it. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I have a couple homers off Lester. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of guys that I really matched. I know that Clay Buckholz used to absolutely own me. I oh, we're getting I- there. Ryan was right. We're getting there. <laughs> Give us some names. Big time dudes. Forget it. You had no chance. Never saw the ball. Oh, Phil Hughes crushed me. Mm. Clay Buckholz crushed me. By crushed, what do you mean? Like over? Oh, I know Buckholz. I never. I don't think I ever got a hit off Buckholz. They, I think, because wow. that was one time they asked me a question. They're like, "You ever?" And I was like, <laughs> "And you faced him a bunch in the division, obviously." Uh, incredible mm-hmm. amount of times. And what's crazy is I hit balls hard off of him, not a hit. And I and you know it as a player. Like, you get to the series, you're like, "Okay, John Lester, Josh Beckett." You're like, "I don't care." Clay Buckholz. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, this sucks. Um, yeah. So he used to. He used to. Just and Jeremy Hellickson used to kind of dominate me. It was guys that, for some reason, uh, changeups right on right changeups really crush me, which mm-hmm. they really crush everybody. Um, which Clay Buckholz used to dominate me with a right on right changeup. Uh, I was that I can remember at least at the top of my head, those were the guys that really Phil Hughes. He had a that had a loopy swing, so he had a one of those good four-seam fastballs. Mm-hmm. Dude, he would just throw fastballs right down the middle, and I'd swing under him. I'd be like, I hate baseball. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's go to uh, on defense here. Of all the pitchers you caught, nastiest flat-out stuff. You Darvish. Easy answer. Yeah, really easy. <laughs> yeah, of all the nine or ten pitches that he threw. Yeah, I, had, I literally had like – Running out of fingers calling pitches. <laughs> no, there was two soft – like a hard curveball – Slow curveball, hard cutter, slow slider, split, change. I mean, we had like eight, and and with a runner on second base, I didn't have pitch com. So mm-hmm. it was like shake. I'm like, oh crap, <laughs> let's go through the <laughs> shake. Yeah. Oh, and then and then you just forget. Like I, you're like, I put a two down. You're like, oh, but I didn't put the the soft two down. And like it was a nightmare. But I love catching. We almost got a no. I have one out away with, from a no hitter with him. Really? Oh wow. Eight and two thirds against the Boston Red Sox. Mm. That must have been fun. Who broke it up? Uh, Big Poppy. Well, he, right. he tends to do that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't want you to throw anybody under the bus here, but of all the pitchers you caught, who had not not just the weakest stuff, 
but he didn't have great stuff, but he got dudes out. Just however he had the guile, he had the guts. Tell me a guy like that. Well, I'll say this. He didn't he, – I guess he did not have good stuff, but he didn't have – so he was our closer. His name is Casey Jansen, and he was a Toronto Blue Jay. And he threw 90-91, top out 92. Mm-hmm. But he was really, really good at controlling the pitches. He had a cutter, a curveball, and a slider. And, man, he could just throw the ball whatever he wanted. And I can call a pitch and set it up for three pitches later because I knew he was going to execute that pitch. We'd throw a four-seam off the plate away to a lefty, and I'd watch them statue it, and I was like, all right, I'm backdoor cutting him. And he would backdoor cut him, boom. And it was like he didn't have closer stuff, quote-unquote. He didn't have, like, overpowering stuff. Mm -hmm. But every time he came in the game, I was like, all right, we're going to win this game. Or we're going to get – I mean, he's just going to – it's gonna be like one, two, three, or you know, if somebody gets on, he'll be good. But that was, that was for me the guy that I was like, you know, he doesn't profile, and now that's the big issue is like, oh, he's got to throw ninety eight. Right. Well, no. How about if he throws ninety one, and I he has seven pitches, he controls a runner, and I know that I can get a guy out six different ways. Yeah. So, he was a guy that Mark Burley. Mark Burley. I was hoping you would bring him up. I'm a. Card-carrying White Sox fan. I was hoping you'd mention his he, name. He, he called me out. This is the funniest story. Love he, that guy. He called me out. He never shakes. Never. Never shakes. Never. Calls me out one day. And I'm like, is he hurt? I'm like, oh, God, this ain't good. Like, he calls time and calls me out. And he's like, oh, we have no chance today. And I'm like, what? He's like, I just threw that ball as hard as I could, and I looked up at the scoreboard, and it said 84. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> and, gosh. And... He went out and dominated again for six, cutter, seven sinker, innings. Change, yeah. Cutter, sinker, change. Cutter, sinker, and, change. Mm-hmm. And it was just, I mean, he was a guy that just, he was, he's special. And that game was about two hours and four oh, minutes probably. I, I, I think that he has a chance to be a Hall of Famer. Love that guy. Love him. Okay, last serious question for you. You are, as we said earlier, you're set to be the bench coach for uh, the Mets this year in AAA, Syracuse. Everyone knows what the manager does. Everyone knows what the hitting coach does. Everyone knows what the pitching coach does. I don't think a lot of rudimentary baseball fans have a fundamental understanding of the bench coach's job. So please enlighten us. Well, I think he's like a caddy, I would say, for the you know a PGA Tour player. That's right? a good way to describe you, it. You, you, you sit there and you're, you're having to really – you know, the manager's making decisions, but he, he can be in everything. And so you have to, hey, this guy's up. This guy, you know, this guy in the bullpen, we can – you know, these are the guys that are up. They have a righty, you know, he, he's trying to manage the game in the sense of like, you know, dealing with guys and, and having conversations and, and okay, you know, we have to use this guy today or this guy, you know, cause in the minor leagues, it's, it's different. The, there's a, there's a more of a script, mm-hmm. but your bench coach is going and talking to the guy and saying, Hey, in the seventh inning, be ready to pinch hit, you know, Hey, skip manager, skip. Hey, they have this guy coming up. Do you want me to get the righty? You want me to tell the righty or lefty? Well, you know, are we going to bring anybody for defense? I have to go in, you know, hey, get ready for defense. You're going to go out there in the seventh, be ready for this. You're like kind of his voice and then his guy that he can bounce things off. Hey, what do you think about this? Well, you know, I think this situation. And that, so really, again, it's it's. I think the best way to say it is a caddy. The only thing is, is you're involved in a lot more maybe than the manager is. Almost that's why most bench coaches – become managers right because managers are dealing with the media stuff and and they i mean they got a lot on their plate you know it's not just 
you know, bench coach is there and he's pretty much the second manager, but he's the guy who's like being able to devote all his time. The, the bench coach ain't having a press conference before yeah, the game. He doesn't not, have the GM in right. his ear and stuff like that. Yeah, he doesn't have to do any of that stuff. It's more of like he, uh, you're the one that's kind of on the ground handling everything that a manager would. Okay. Now are you getting the blame like a PGA Tour caddy? As a bench coach, Ooh, so I don't know. No, you know what? That's the, that's definitely the manager. He gets. He gets <laughs> yeah. That's what I, I mean. Nice it's the truth. But it's a, it's it's always I always laugh because it's like you know there's things that happen that you know the strength coach always gets blamed for injuries. It's like what right. are the heck? What about the athletic trainer? Right. Well, this is, you know, I don't know. It's it's just one of those. It's it's a bad thing to be. Uh, but I'm glad. <laughs> <that I can. laughs> all right, let's play nine innings here. We do this game with all of our guests. Same nine questions, nine usually very different answers. Number one, first inning, your favorite team as a kid? The A's because of Jose Canseco. I suppose that's a long way from Miami, but fellow Cuban-born player. Yeah, and you know, Miami guy. And, Correct. And uh, I used to love Ricky Henderson, which makes no sense because I'm slower than molasses. <laughs> Couldn't be more opposite. Yeah, it was literally like <laughs> night and day. Okay, so I was going to say favorite player as a kid as second inning, but I assume that's Canseco. No, Mike Piazza. Piazza, nice. okay. Catcher. Makes more sense. Hit homers. Correct. Not the best defensive guy. Well, perfect. That's your player profile. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Third inning. Favorite baseball movie? Always my favorite question. Oh, uh, Sandlot. Easy. Good answer. Yeah, Hamilton that, Porter. That That's is the correct guy. answer. Yeah. Well done. It's the catcher answer. Yeah, of course. Fourth inning. What is the best sound at the ballpark? Organ. I love an organ. Nice. Major League Baseball stadiums should have an organ yep. everywhere you go. I agree. When you get to the dang stadium and an organ's playing, you're like, give me a beer, give me a hot dog, <laughs> let's get it. I love that sound, I think too. that's the first it's organ great. answer we've had. It might be. I think it's it a great answer. Yeah, a I, great I love answer. a good organ. Absolutely. Fifth <laughs> inning, best smell at the ballpark? Grass. Freshly yeah. cut grass. Love it. We've gotten that a couple times. Yeah, grass. Okay. Sixth inning. What is your walk-up song, and why is it theme song from Tommy Lauren is Fearless? And why is it? <laughs> <laughs> I just assumed that was the answer nowadays. No, no. My what was my walk-up F- song? Full disclosure: JP is married to political commentator Tommy Lauren. Recently, Tommy, 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 Tommy Mike, uh, incorrect. I need Tommy, to edit, I need to edit that out Laren. in post. Le- Tommy Lauren, that's Laren. bad of me. I'll edit yeah. that out in post. <laughs> Recent, by the way. Congratulations on the nuptials. Yeah. Um, yeah, walk-up song then and maybe walk-up song now. Well, my first walk-out song ever was Billy Squire, The Stroke. Very nice. nice. Old school. Um, I, I liked old school rock, so I came out to Rush. Getty Lee used to come to all our games, Working Man. I, nice. I, 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 I enjoyed. That's beautiful. I was yeah, a Neil also, Peart guy. There yeah. you go. So I, I Audio Slave. Um, I, I, I really just enjoyed guitar riffs and drums. Uh, so that was when I was in high school, I came out to Papa Roach and I did the... In college, last resort, like that was oh, nice. um, outstanding. So that would—that's my stuff. I would say if I were to walk out to a song now, gosh, um, I don't know, maybe like White Snake. Mm. Keeping it old school. I like yeah, that. yeah. I I like did, that's that's for me. I came out to reggae one time. This is actually—I don't know how much time we have. I'll be quick with this, but <laughs> in Double A, I came out to or in High A and. Double A maybe it was. I came out to uh, this reggae music because I needed stuff to like chill me out. I was already swung. I swung before the pitcher was throwing. Right? I was aggressive. <laughs> so I needed like 
and they had this like cool beat and I get to I want to say it might have been we get to I get to double it and I'm like this is what I you know it's collie buds or something like that and so I I get the person the PR is like we can't give you that song I'm like have you seen the lyrics I'm like no I haven't seen the lyrics I don't even understand what they're saying <laughs> just a cool beat <laughs> and they bring me down the lyrics and it's like about weed and all these different things it's a reggae song and I'm like you can't even understand that. I'm like, yeah. dude, I just want I want to hit. This is a song that's been working. What? And then, uh, so then that was the last, uh, my last efforts at reggae because the lyrics, which makes no sense because all the other lyrics is, you know, and songs are not the best. I just assume exactly. that every reggae song is about weed in some capacity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seventh inning. Tell me about a game when you were the hero. I don't care if it's a major league game. I don't care if it's a little league game. One game in particular you'll always remember. Hmm. Gosh, I I would say against Fernando Rodney um, that I can remember like off the top of my head. I mean, well, my debut would be that I'd be my the hero, but I don't know. I mean, I was just the hero of the game of that day because of the way it went. But wasn't it like some seventeen inning game or something? Or what? The one that I hit off Rodney? Yes. Uh, no, it was a. I did that one in Cleveland. That was opening day in Cleveland. I hit okay. that three run homer. Okay. Uh, after I missed the bunt sign, they, they <laughs> didn't give me a bunt sign, and I was trying to bunt, but I didn't know the sign, so I was like, I think they're giving me a bunt <laughs> sign. First and second, nobody out. <laughs> and then I went to 0-2 and hit a home run. But um, against Fernando Rodney, uh, it was the ninth inning, top of the ninth, two outs, two strikes. Uh, we were down one, and my family's there from Miami, and uh, he tried to throw – a fastball and I took him deep for a two run homer. So it went from like the cowbells, ding, 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 you know, the game's about to be over to mm -hmm. homer and we won that game. So that's like one that sticks out to me. Very nice. Flip side, eighth inning. Tell me about a game when you were the chump. Ooh. I, I think we had a the walk off. Not I think. I know I, I don't know if it was it might have been Atlanta where I there it was a ninth inning, it was a tie game and Somebody stole and I shouldn't have thrown it, or if it was a ball and third, I, I threw the ball away. Long story short, mm -hmm. and so I mean, there's that's a walk off one for me. <laughs> I mean, that, that was, literally it was like I threw it away, and I think I made a bad decision. I'm sure I made a bad decision, and I threw it away, and it was like, all right, well, let's just keep on walking to the dugout. This game's over. <laughs> that's a tough one. Yeah. Ninth inning, last question. If it weren't for the game of baseball, fill in the blank for us. If it weren't for the game of baseball, I don't know where I'd be with my life. I think that it's since I was three years old, I carried a baseball bat, and it's helped me learn a lot of things in life. It's it's been amazing for me. It's been the biggest thorn in my in my side. It's created anxiety and depression for me, but it's created the the most special moments of my life and I think that I'm you know I've been very much shaped by the game of baseball and it's why I ended up winning an Emmy award this year for uh, my TV uh, color commentating and I walked away from it because purposely my, or purposeful more purpose was how do I give back and that's why I want to manage and uh, that's something to me that really stands out is helping others and that's I mean the game gave it to me I want to give it back to the rest of the guys that I can be around. JP, this was a lot of fun. It's been a pleasure getting to know you a little bit. Best of luck this season in Syracuse, and we hope to see you here again soon. Well, I'll be around. I'm not too far away now. So, yeah. real, real quick, what was your best pop time? Uh, I want to say like low one eights. Ryan, 
one nine. I never oh, got okay. into the one eight. Well, uh, there might have been a one eight eight. We got yeah, high school yeah, kids here all the time. You claim they're one seven. No, no, yeah. no. That's uh, I was gonna say this. Yeah. I, first off, I, I hear people all the time, and I, this is just to get it off my chest. Now, now you ask me this, you can do this extra. The floor is yours. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when I see people and they're like, "Oh yeah, my son throws a one seven. Why I throw a one eight? Pretty I, much. Impossible. I want to. I want to say, hold my beer for a second. Yeah. Okay, let's look at this right here. This is I'm gonna show you this graph, and this is all the major league catchers. And there's one guy. His name is JT Romuto, who is the best in major league baseball. Mm-hmm. And his average pop time, I think, is like one eight seven average. Yeah. yeah. Right. He, he gets it down to the low one eights, but he average. And uh, here's the major league average. It's called 2.0. Yeah. Um, your son doesn't throw a 1-7 to second base. I'm sorry. Nope. Uh, let's just call it what it is. Um, so, yeah, it, it, when people say it, I'm like, it, I that's my lowest. I would yeah. say that I averaged probably 195, 1-9-6. Where's the ball? Where am I throwing the exactly. baseball? Is it high? Is it low? Is it up the line? Is it to the other side of the bag? Like that's what really matters. Exactly. And did I get a chance to throw? But yeah. I just, but that's the thing. It's like when when I, I get sick. Oh, you know, I, <laughs> this kid's throwing one sevens. I'm like, is he throwing from the pitcher's mound? Because there ain't no way that's the truth. And that is our fired up segment. That's awesome. yeah. I love that. Yeah, I love that. We'll call that the the, the truth. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sponsored by Seven Minutes Fitness. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the. Truth segment. <laughs> Your son doesn't throw one sevens. <laughs> JP, awesome. thanks again. This was a lot yeah, of fun. Thank thanks, you, man. JP. Yeah, thank you. The Clueless Joe podcast is brought to you by Pro9 Sports, committed to providing high-quality, precision baseball and softball products to help players perform their best on the field. A family-owned and operated business since 2001, offering a wide range of products, including game and practice balls, protective gear, team and player bags, umpire equipment, and much more. Here at the Nashville location, we use private label D-Bat baseballs and softballs produced by Pro9 in our pitching machines and lesson buckets. These balls are durable, long-lasting, and made with quality materials to replicate your game experience. Pro9 equipment is made to precise specifications and designed to provide a better way to play. To learn more, go to Pro9.com or visit your local D-Bat. Three up and three down. I ask three questions. The boys do not know what's coming. They have to answer on the fly. Question number one. Tell me about your favorite bat of all time. Ryan. Oh, your favorite good, bat. Good question. That's a good question. You're welcome. Man. Uh, I mean, it was probably... Was it that 51-50 in college? No. No. It was probably the blue, uh, blue and orange stealth and little league I okay mean, everybody used it yep but oh, that was the hot one it i actually just, never used that bat i had i, I mean knew, i used it but i had I never one kid owned, on our I team that had it one. it yeah. was quite literally a trampoline yeah i mean do you, did you guys ever play with the combats i saw them but i, I remember them one. it sounds familiar and they were like super thin barreled like mm. bats i had pre- that was a good bat too but it would it has to be that orange and blue Easton stealth I okay mean, I didn't I hit it one. because I was, you know, 35 when it hit the market. Right. But that's another topic. Right. I mean, just crushed baseballs. Crushed Zach? Uh, mine's probably the – it was a black and red stealth speed. Uh, mm. And even more specifically, it was when it cracked. Oh, yeah. That thing. Oh, yeah. 
smoking. It was like, it was like hitting tennis balls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember when like, those bats mm-hmm. would crack. You were actually Dude. like, "Oh, let's go!" Like yeah. I mean, people oh, would, I know. Yeah. So roll many their people bats. That, yeah, they'll run them over yeah. with their cars. Yeah. Sure, and things are locked in. <laughs> yeah, when that thing cracked, I mean, it was so obvious. But how old Dude, were you just, swinging that one? Uh, I was in high school, sophomore, mm. junior year. Okay. Um, the black and red stealth speed. I'm trying to picture it. After you got to show me a picture. Yeah, because oh, well, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, it's uh oh man, I I, I like that bat more. Yeah, obviously when it cracked. Did you hit but, a lot of home runs with it? Nope. <laughs> Austin Riley Loaded did. Loaded question. Austin Riley did? I think. I think, yeah. Sam, favorite bat? The all-black TPX Omaha, which is currently sitting. TPX. Oh, nice. Oh, That's your favorite? Yeah. Nice pull. I mean, uh, I did some damage with that yeah. bat. That or the, I have three, and they're all TPX. One was the XO. I had the, the red, XO. The red XO, XO is the great. The red XO, not the white one. Would they, I, either, would they have, red. It was like red, red and gray, yellow, red, red, oh, red and that's red right. barrel, yellow. That's right. That's yellow right. Yellow letters. Yeah. Gray and black handle. Yeah. yeah. I had that one. And then phenomenal. the TPX warrior. Okay. Warrior. Black and gray. Don't still, remember that one. I yeah. still have three of them at my parents' house. Do you? Next yeah. time you go down there, you got to bring one back. They're all we'll they're, the they're dead. No, they're dead. Oh, really? Yeah. But yeah, they're, they're awesome. Yeah. I love those. I mean, that Omaha is sensational it's stout yeah the ball gets the job done oh it does gotta love the beasters sure does high school for me i would say the easton ea 70 there was a gold one that has sort of a burgundy-ish trim 33 30 that's what i had junior year had a pretty good year and plan on getting another one for my senior year uh coach badden also owned a trophy shop and he dealt some bats i told him get me another one of those it shows up right before the season starts and it's a 33 and a half 30 and a half which is not what I asked for. I asked for another 33-30. I tried it. I hated it. I went back to the one from my junior year, used it for a second season, and did pretty well. It lasted two full high school seasons. And uh, that was just old school alloy, uh, the EA-70. Loved it. Uh, I was never a Black Magic guy back then. That was the hot bat. But the EA-70 was for me. It was beautiful. It performed. Loved it. Big fan. Yeah. Question number two. Your favorite glove of all time. Let's start with Sam because he's owned at least 85 gloves in the last five years. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, for sure, yeah. Sam's had the most gloves yes. yeah, yeah, for yeah, obvious sure. reasons. Favorite glove I've ever owned. I had uh, I had this, my first like custom Rawlings I got um, had my name on it. It was. Uh, You're very sentimental about this glove. I've heard you talk yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, black on the outside. Black on the outside. Oh, sorry. what was that? I don't know what you were doing. No, I was just hitching uh, my nose. Oh, sorry. I thought you were showing me something. <laughs> no, no. Um, I was like, I was like <laughs> side language from across the yeah. room. Audio uh, only broadcast, fellas. I was Audio like, only. Uh, it was black on the outside, mesh on the back, and then like burgundy on the inside. And uh, I used it for my junior season, and then it was stolen from me. Mm. By none other than Javi Baez. Ugh. If you're ever listening, Javi, Javi. I still I love the Javi I still trash on this show. Want it back? I love the Javi trash. You know what, what a jerk! You, know, yeah. we, you need to give us the full story on this. We he stole it. Story over. I thought I lost it um, at the Perfect Game National Showcase. We had some guys from Jacksonville on our team. Uh, fast forward to the fall, we're playing in the world wood bat and Javi's on a different team. We just played against him and he comes up to me and goes, I found somebody in Jacksonville that has your glove. And I said, awesome. I'll send you my address and you can send it to me. And he said, cool. So then 
I add him on Facebook. I look at a photo album of him from that same tournament in his hotel room taking a photo shoot with my glove. Crazy. Awesome. You can see my name. With your name on You can see my name on the glove. And I commented on it, and I was like, that looks like my glove. And he was like, told you I'd get it back, right? And I'm like, yeah, man. So I sent him about 30 Facebook messages like with my address, telling him that my parents would send him money. And he never responded. Tell him that he can't hit a slider. Yeah, and he never responded. So then uh, on draft day, I was like, well, hopefully with that $3.9 million you got, you can get your own glove. Yeah. And then uh, we ended up drafting one of his really good friends with the A's. And I told him the, the whole story the same, same way. And he was like, I know exactly where that glove's sitting in his house. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. like, That's awesome. That's thank crazy. You. I was like, thank you. Uh, That's insane. Thank you. Zach, favorite glove? Um, probably my glove that I got my junior year of college. Uh, just a Rawlings Pro Preferred, the cam- all cam- camel um, color. And put some blue laces in there, but it was a eleven three quarter. First time ever going above three and a half or eleven and a half because uh, I played That's third. Um, no, not but for no, a third, not uh, for a third yeah. baseman, not for a third base. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for not for third base. Yeah, um, but no, I that was like one of the only gloves I used longer than a season, pretty much since high school, maybe. I really like that glove. I, I even used it um, at second base a little bit until I got the new one uh, my senior year. But no, that one or my Derek Jeter model when I was a little kid. I don't even know. I don't. I don't have it anymore. But that was that was one of my favorite gloves. Very well broken in. RG, catcher's glove, first base mitt. Uh, catcher's glove. It's the all star, all star oh, catcher's gloves. Love just, the all stars. Just a thing of beauty. They are. They're really, really great. It's such I an mean, underrated brand. As a catcher, it's such an underrated brand. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's starting to become really popular, All-Star, in, as far as the catching world goes. Just remember that our show is powered like by Rollins, I know. By the way, I'm sorry. Like, okay. oh, I know. I know. I feel like it's always been popular. <laughs> it, yeah. I mean, now Sean, it's really popular. Sean was the only catcher I played with that didn't have one. Really? Yeah. It's. I don't know what the specifics are of it, but it's such a light glove that you can just manipulate the ball. Mm-hmm. Really, really well. It's loud. Uh, yeah. When you're throwing 90, you can really hear it. Yeah. Love which that is, sound. Yeah, which is great. I mean, nothing like hyping up your pitcher with a loud pop. But I caught I caught with Rawlings until I think my junior year of high school, and then that glove gave out. So then I got an all-star, and, yeah, I really liked it. I used it for another four years until I kind of stopped catching. But, Yeah. All-Star Catcher's Glove. I don't have one in specific. Okay. Just, anybody, anybody steal it? No, Javi did no. not steal that one. But did you have a Javi at your college that stole it, maybe? No. Okay. No. My favorite glove when I started playing ball again after college was just a Rawlings Pro Preferred basket web. I think it was a 12-inch, actually. A little big, but I played some short with it. I played some third. I played some second. I played some center field. I could play anywhere with it. Um, I hated a traditional outfielder's glove. I felt like I could take this glove pretty much anywhere except behind the dish, of course. But that glove lasted me basically until last year. Uh, I I did get a custom glove through Rawlings. 
afforded to us by our relationship with DBAT, which of course we appreciate. I, I now use that glove, but I still have Love that Rawlings Pro Preferred, Pro Preferred, pardon me, in my locker here. It is 24 years old, probably. It's and in good shape. And still in great shape. It's been to hell and back. It's played a lot of baseball. It's played a lot of softball, too. It's just, it's a phenomenal glove. It's lasted forever. Now I got the new one, but I almost got the same exact glove, just a little smaller. Yeah. F- fantastic. Question number three. You can't pick your own team. Zach, you can't pick any of your three or four favorite teams. Okay. <laughs> got him. Which team has the best hat in baseball? The traditional hat. Not something they wear for special on Mother's Day or something. The traditional, like, home hat. Mm. I'll start. Yeah, go ahead. Detroit Tigers have a great hat. Yeah, it's a do. great logo. Yeah, it is a it's logo. timeless. Just the D. Awesome font. Black hat. Home, road, day, night, doesn't matter. Magnum PI. Classic. Love the Tigers hat. Yeah, that's a good With one. the white stitch. Yeah, that's a good one. Boy, this is a stumper. Uh, I didn't know. Yeah. I'm kind of go, going through. Go ahead. I probably go Orioles, to be honest. Orioles is a good the, one. A good one. Yeah. I just think that's, that's such a great look with the... The bird or the O? Uh, not the bird. The O. The O. But the, one, the, the, the black hat with the white front mm-hmm. and I guess the orange um, bill. Mm-hmm. I think that look is the little throwback type of look. Yeah. That's... It's not like super basic, but it's very timeless. Like like you said, that that's probably what that's the personality. With. That's yeah. a good one. You're prob- it's, prob- it sparked a lot of like colleges and uh, travel teams, right? When they went back to that, the yeah. multicolor, yeah. yeah. like, right? Everybody went to those multicolor helmets right. and yeah. hats. Is, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm I'm going back. I just I just had to look at. That's even worse. Brought me back to a sentimental place. My first hat I had from an LB team is the Rockies. Mm-hmm. The black on top, purple bill, CR. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that yeah that's a good one. It's clean. clean. I really it's clean. like it's clean. I like yeah. their hats. I never like liked the. I never liked the font on their logo for whatever reason. I, I like mean, their spring training hats didn't. with the just the oh the mountains. mountains. Right. Oh, that was nice. a clean right. hat, man. Right. Yeah, it's like we had the elephant on ours. Yeah. They've they've been I doing a good job with. I really like the elephant hats. They've been doing a good job with those spring training hats. They do a good job. I almost said the Royals. I have a Royals hat. And Royals, Royals, have a good hat. Royals, have Royals a absolutely have a good yeah. hat. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd I'd go with the with the Braves, Braves logo. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's a clean hat. I like the yeah, A it's, with it's the. Nice. What is it going through it? It's when some of them have the tomahawk. Tomahawk. That's more what I'm talking about. Their training hat was just that A with the tomahawk. There's yeah, when they did the like the mascot one, pretty much it was just the tomahawk. But their road hats are just the A. Their home ones are the one with the tomahawk coming. Right, yeah, that's the one I'm talking yeah. about. I really like. I like their logo. No love for my White Sox. That's a pretty clean hat. I really like. I don't. They kind of stopped it, doing it, it as a, much. It was in my top three. I will say, I do like. <laughs> the White Sox. But I really liked how the uh, the Cardinals wear red at home and navy on the road. Mm-hmm. I think that's awesome. Instead of just having the same hat. Uh, See, I should go the other way on that. I, I think a hat should be universal. I think you should wear it homes, roads, days, nights. I, I like the idea of one hat. I like, I like, like the Giants. I don't know if it has to be a home and a, and a road hat, but having at least two hats, I think. That's actually one thing that bothers nice. me about Florida State baseball is that, I mean, they have a garnet hat. They have a garnet hat with a gold bill. They have a white hat. They have a gray hat. 
They have every combination imaginable. I just like the idea of one hat and you wear it with everything. I think three is the magic number for me. I for hats. Say. For hats. Three hats. Yeah. yeah. Homes, you got your home and you got an your alternate. Ro- yeah, and you got your alter like a jersey. Yeah. I yeah, mean, that's the okay. Cardinals. And then you can uh, mix yeah. and mash them at your. I love when the Cardinals wear their blue hat at home. That's a, that's a sweet look to me. Yeah, yeah, pretty old, strong. Old school Reds hats, the red bill with the pinstripe going through it in the mm-hmm. sea. Yeah, that one's clean. Mm-hmm. The the Pirates had a similar hat. Yeah, with the yellow. Know. In the seventies, the pirates had that box hat. Yeah, the the rope hat. They yes, wear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. Not a good huh. look. Not a good look. All right, Zach. Time for the uh, weekly Zach attack. What's on your mind? It's not really relevant to what what's going on today. <laughs> Can't wait. But, uh, me and Sam were talking about this a couple weeks ago. But Tim Tebow and his oh, baseball playing career. <laughs> I mean, what the heck? Such, such, yeah. such what an interesting such, Zach attack. I, know, exactly I mean, I, I, just, I, I think of <laughs> stuff and I put it down in my notes. That's fine. No, Zach, there's nothing wrong out. with it. I, I agree. What an interesting... What in particular are we grinding on here? That he even played. First the the off, fact that he even got the opportunity? First off, we'll not even start with that, but the tryout. His look. It was so bad. He was in skin tight. It was so Dry bad. fit. Uh, long sleeve shirt or three quarter shirt with the painted on <laughs> baseball. It pants. looked like he bought he bought his whole gear. <laughs> he he from went Dick's to Dick's. Right before <laughs> <laughs> he had Reebok cleats. His, his glove looked probably had like a Velcro strap on it. And I um, think he asked the fifteen year old clerk at Dick's how to field a fly ball too because he yeah, did he not trash. exactly look natural. Yeah, out there. Two hands, his crow hops. Uh, that just blew my mind at first. Yeah. And, and then, the Mets said, here, sign here. And Here's then, some money. And he played. $100,000 scholarship. Go to did Bay- he make it to Syracuse? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he did. What he did do for the most part was is kind of impressive. I mean, he stopped playing. That's what I'm saying. I have no, there's yeah. no hate towards him. But like the fact that he was able he to He had not that, played and, since 17. And I think you told a story that something like he got away with hitting 200 while other guys were. Yeah, I mean, raking and right. not. I don't have hate playing. towards him himself. No. He didn't do anything wrong. I have hate for the, the situation he was given because right. I fell into the category of some of my friends. Right, like he was like a free agent sign, and I had buddies that were also playing outfield in Double A, hitting three ten with nineteen. And he's just this big. Not name only that. got an oppor- they didn't get an opportunity to go to Triple A. Yeah. Tim Tebow got a big league camp invite twice. I know. Yeah. And these guys did this, didn't right. get that. He played in a couple of minor league all-star games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which means he literally stole a spot from someone deserving. He, he Stuff was, like that upsets yeah. me. He was for sure the most intimidating batter I've ever faced. Yeah. I was so scared to face him. Yeah. Please tell Why? us that story. Well, one, we it was during the Arizona Fall League in twenty sixteen. We had a our pitching coach said if we like have if we're the team that gives up Tebow's first hit the pitcher it's a five hundred dollar fine, <laughs> and so we're everyone's like oh my god because he uh, literally started like zero for twenty eight. Yeah, I remember and we played. He was on the Scottsdale team. We played them like four times, like within the first two weeks. Yeah, and so it was terrifying. And I came into the game and I was like, dude, I, I just know my luck. I know he's gonna get the hit off me. Right. He's probably gonna hit a homer. Right. And I threw him a first pitch fastball. He took it. And I was like, okay, all right, breathe. We're good. Breathe. All right. And then I threw him like a really good changeup 
and the swing he put on it, I was like, oh, God. I was like, I'm about to ruin this dude's day. <laughs> and then after that, I threw up another change up and he swung and missed. And I was like, yeah, this dude sucks. This is really easy. <laughs> we did give up his first hit, though. Oh, really? Yeah. A guy actually a reliever for the Pirates right now, Dwayne Underwood. Okay. He had a line drive in the left center gap. There you go. Him. Yeah. Nice. Ran into one. Nice. Yeah, I covered him in high school, as a matter of fact. When I was covering high school sports in Jacksonville, I, I did a bunch of his football games. Mm. And uh, he was one of the more impressive high school athletes I ever saw. Of course, was on a football field, not on a baseball field. He is gigantic. Huge. He's a big, yeah. he's a big he man. He is huge. Huge. Big man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's every bit of 260 of just straight muscle. Yeah. yeah. He is a monster, monster guy. Yeah. Ryan, what are we crying about this week? This week? I feel no, like we should is... change this topic and, I mean, change the title of this. It's no longer crying, right? We should just call it... I don't know, tears from heaven or something, because it's always something sad and angels related. Or, uh, all right, I mean, Ryan, what's going on? Well, this is today? not sad and angels related. I And I do think it's getting more respect now, but I still see it a lot, happening a lot. And there's just kids not wanting, we've talked about it before, so sorry, but kids not wanting to go to junior college. Mm. And okay. taking D, the me. D1 or bus crowd. Right. Right. Even, I mean, even like a D2 program and stuff like that, because I've seen even this past Shout week. Shout out to Rebecca Nazarene. <laughs> I've seen this past week that there's kids that are going to these schools, like the first school that they visit and gives them an offer. And it's like, what are they giving them? 15, 20% scholarship. And they're taking it because it's not junior college. Mm-hmm. I just, junior college is a good route to go if you want to get better and you want to get a bigger scholarship, potentially get drafted. There's the competition is so good in junior college. It really is. Here's my thing. And I'm, I'm trying to put everything into perspective here, but how good, how much better do you think kids actually get going through Juco? Just a, a random Juco. Because I mean, I've seen some of these programs better and, than and heard better about some than of these sitting programs. on the bench for your first and, two years at a D one. But you also but have D one coaches, though. That, that's what I'm saying is from the coaching standpoint. What are these? What, what are some of these JUCOs actually doing to help you better yourself? I mean, it's still college baseball. They're, the coaches there are not just dads that they've picked I get up that. off I've the just, street. I've just it's heard a lot of games. There's a lot of abs. There's a lot of innings pitched. I know. I yeah. just heard. You I, have it's been, been, yeah, you have pe- more people care about you. Like you know, you know very well if you'd have went to Memphis and you were pretty trash in the fall and like kind of so-so your freshman year, your coaches wouldn't look at you. Red shirt. They wouldn't have. I mean, yeah, they so wouldn't. Fast. They would have acted like they would. You wouldn't even have been there. And JUCO, if you're struggling, they work with you. Do they? Yeah, hundred oh, percent. Yeah. They had like if I was a smaller roster. If I wouldn't have gone to JUCO and I would have went to Georgia, I would have. I guarantee you that by my fourth year of college, I would not have been playing baseball. Okay, I just heard and seen some some of the the ugly sides of that, where they just you're just out there thirteenth year messing around, just one last year of baseball, pretty much. I've never seen that. I I have. I mean. There was one guy that we played with that was like 28 and he had just gotten out of prison or something like that. He was playing <laughs> now, junior college. Okay, yeah. I mean, obviously everybody, their goal is to win. So they're not right. out there. What I'm saying is don't think that you have to go to a four-year school. You don't. Sometimes it's no, really you don't, good you don't to have to. It's really no. great. And don't like, 
I'm not I'm not saying don't sign with the school that you love, but don't accept your first offer. Go explore other offers. Maybe think about if I go to JUCO, I have two years of now college baseball experience. I'm going to get more looks from more four-year colleges. It's <laughs> if just, I could also, do it all over again, I would have been the perfect JUCO player. Uh, now, just, it would have driven my parents nuts from an education perspective, but pure baseball it's i would still, have been perfect it's still for Juco fine Bowl. education these are yeah. college professors like it's not your degree that's what i'm saying doesn't end up from there right Correct. like it just gets such a bad rap i, I look, feel like I, I agree i look at it like this like i said if i would have went to georgia out of high school i would have sucked and because i went to my junior college i fully believe that i would have been auburn's friday night guy right mm-hmm because of how I developed there. I didn't have a breaking ball. And then I ended up having a really good one after Juco. Right. Basically what helped me get drafted. Right. Who knows so. how many Division One baseball programs are? Oh, I'd be oh, well. I 299. Oh, I was going to say in the 300s. How many kids were in the transfer portal this past summer? Probably. Anybody want to venture a guess? Oh. Is it upwards of 500? I'd say way two. more. I'd say two. Twenty five hundred baseball yeah. players yeah. were in the transfer portal. That is an average of eight per D one program. How many of those kids made the wrong choice out of high school and maybe should have gone to D one instead? I'm sorry, JUCO instead. Right. That's the point I was trying to make. Well, that's the, that's that's the culture of today. Now, if you don't like it, you're gonna go somewhere else mm-hmm. instead of. Yeah, but Zach, look at it like this. What if you would have went to JUCO and balled out, and then South Carolina offered you, and that's where you ended up? I mean, yeah, I'm, you're right. You're right. That's I know I mean, you don't have any regrets, but it's just like yeah. look back on it as what if I did go to junior college? That's what I'm saying. I easily could have played or could have sat my whole freshman year of college. I played be- mainly because third baseman in front of me got hurt halfway through the year. I was bitter because I never I never sat a game before until then. But I never once thought about quitting or leaving. I'm like, I'm going to work. And, and and this goes to, goes to the transfer portal, not necessarily right. the JUCO route. But that's just that's like my, my, my mindset. Yeah. Like, now, if you can really realize, like, if you're getting redshirted and all that, then, yeah, maybe. Yeah. But – Still, I mean, I Britt, Britt Rooker of, got redshirted at Mississippi State as a walk-on, and look at him now. That that's my thing. Is yeah, but not well, everybody's hitting the transfer portal because they're bitter. They're hitting the transfer portal sometimes because there's a better opportunity. Right, right. That's true. But twenty five hundred guys, not, 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 they're not yeah. all Tommy Tanks. Right, right. But, I would yeah. I would venture a guess to say half of those kids probably made the wrong choice coming out of high school. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and they're, you know, I mean, obviously there's some bias, but that's also them leaving for a better opportunity. Right. Yeah. I just, moral of the story is Juco is a good, a good route to take in certain circumstances. I'm not saying everybody should go to Juco. Of course not. But shout out volunteer state. It's just, you know, consider it. Don't think of it being such a bad thing because it's not. Look what it did for you. Brought me here. <laughs> Georgetown College. Same. Where else would you rather Same. be? <laughs> that's what I, I mean. You know, that's what I got. I like it. And I loved every minute of it, too. 
I have not. I had so I don't have one negative thing to say about being outside of. I know we've gotten into Uh, the the actual. The baseball part was fun. I loved pretty much every guy I played with for both years. There's a lot. There's I mean, there's way more good experiences than my bad experience in JUCO. But even so, I'm I'm glad that I did it and I didn't take like not a lot of money straight out of high school to a, a couple D2 programs in the local area. I'll be a hundred percent honest. I'm so glad I did not go to Juco. And I had a good, <laughs> it's Division it, one. It, 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 that's experience. great. That's, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm, but that's me. I don't think I would have thrived in, in the Juco area. And that's just me being honest. I'm not throwing any shade. I'm just, just look, I, I think this is great advice from RG here. And you know, this is a, this is a nice message for all those uncommitted class of 28s that we see on Instagram. <laughs> Hashtag D one or bust Juco kid. Think about it. Juco. It's also pretty I mean, much D1 competition. It's I mean it's so good yeah. competition. And every year at Christmas break, there's seven guys 100%. transferring from a D1 that team that they flunked out of their every classes. Every single JUCO in your conference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the teams are loaded with guys. They are. Okay, that'll do it for the Clueless Joe podcast, powered by Rawlings. Thank you to Zach Schreitenthal. Go Chiefs! Big game. Let's go. <laughs> Ryan Gaynor. Love you guys. And Sam Bragg. See y'all. Special thank you to J.P. Aaron Sebia. Thank you to our sponsors, Tanner Tees and Pro9 Sports. Thank you to our music man, Philip Creamer. And thank you for listening. Be sure to like, share, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss the show. You can follow us on social media across all platforms at DBAT Nashville.